On the last episode of Journey to the Metaverse, we talked about everything to do with the history of immersive tech and virtual reality. Today, however, we have our eyes firmly set on the future. We're going to be talking about all of the current, planned and potential applications of immersive tech. We'll be taking a look at its growing implementation in different industries and sectors across the corporate world and just how it's set to revolutionise the world of business. We'll be discussing examples of how people and businesses are integrating immersive technology and how it's benefiting their industries. I'm your host, Nikki Finnegan, the Head of Digital Learning here at St James's Place. Welcome, everyone. Our guest for today is Dan Cheatham, founder of Hot Dark Matter and ex-CEO of Happy Finish. Over his career, Dan has worked at the forefront of the immersive tech industry, pioneering content creation and storytelling via the means of extended realities. There's no doubt that having his expertise on today's podcast will help our listeners better understand the immersive tech space and where it's heading. Dan, welcome. It's a real pleasure having you here today. Absolutely a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So before we dive into some of the case studies that we've prepared, Dan, why don't you tell us a bit about your company, Hot Dark Matter? Why was it set up and what sort of things do you guys get up to there? So yeah, of course, um, Hot Dark Matter came into existence at the beginning of 2022. Myself and my founding partner, Julian, we've worked together for the last nine, 10 years at Happy Finish. Our background in the creation of immersive technology-based experiences, generally for brand and marketing clients, we recognised the opportunity really that the immersive technology market is maturing. It's hitting a, a stage now where it's being adopted in lots of meaningful ways, lots more utility. Over the past 10 or so years, I've had the pleasure of creating hundreds of experiences for brands, helping them market their products in the advertising and brand space. However, now we feel like we've grown up a little bit and we want to focus on building products and solutions that actually have a meaningful difference now that the spatial computing revolution is upon us. So what sort of clients do you work with at Hot Dark Matter and what types of things do you do with them? Well, it's a very good question in terms of the clients that we work with. As we come from a background of working with many, many clients, we're now being a little bit more selective about what we do. And our focus is really on helping large corporations and entities to understand how they can meaningfully put to use immersive technologies for their future product. As an example, we're working with a well-known Ivy League university at the moment, exploring how different elements of immersive technology from augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality can form part of their learning product in future. It's really an incubator. It's research driven, which is exciting. It's very different to be judged on the results of a focus group and studies as opposed to results of how many eyeballs might look at something on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So at Hot Dog Matter, we're really not now working in the, the brand and marketing space, as I say, we're focused on developing products and solutions that people actually want to engage with. On that note, we are also building our own platform, a geospatial augmented reality platform that will connect what we're calling AR natives. So the next generation of digital natives who will be familiar with a virtual semantic and persistent layer over the real world So connecting those guys and girls with culturally relevant experiences. And all of that will be happening on blockchain. We're really searching for the experiences that will have people coming back, that will be repeatable and that will, you know, have a meaning in their their life. So virtual experiences, virtual assets, the creation, the co-creation of these things that will live persistently over the real world. 
Yeah, that aligns to what we're doing at the moment at SJP in the academy and delivering soft skills training through sort of role playing and preparing advisors to have that first client conversation and you know up in their soft skills and give them more confidence to be in that situation in real life, but in a safe space practicing in, in VR. Yeah, it's really compelling. I mean, I've heard it said many times before that VR is like the ultimate empathy machine. I think it was Chris Milk who first coined that when he was working with the New York Times. But I've seen it many times in the past, uh, creating experiences that put the shoe on the other foot, give you the POV of um, somebody else. And it can be really powerful. Actually, one of my favorite projects over the last 10 years was working with the National Autistic Society here in the, the UK, where we created a 360 film. Some might argue that's not true VR, but back then we were calling it VR. <laughs> And we created a 360 film from the POV of a child quite far on the autistic spectrum. We showed through visual stimuli and, you know, the balloons and people dropping their change in a shopping center, just how little it would take to trigger an episode effectively where the child went into meltdown and came to from that meltdown with their mum taking them into the car park and trying to chill them out and get them back on track. And through that process, we did a lot of focus groups with families and autistic children to really nail that. We found that we actually were over-egging the amount of stimuli needed and it wasn't that much. When it went live, it was amazing to see the impact that that had on family members of children who are severely autistic and how it helped to show, you know, what those children were going through and what it means. And it was really, really fulfilling. It's really interesting to see how VR can be used for greater good. Based on that example, we're looking at two different industries that are also implementing immersive technology in fascinating, groundbreaking ways, the healthcare industry and education industries. There's a wide range of interesting stories we can showcase within these two industries. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Yeah, sure. Although I wouldn't profess to be an expert in education or even healthcare, I however, have, um, through working at the bleeding edge of immersive technologies, encountered um, people who are and have you know, work collaboratively with them to explore how immersive technology can actually make a meaningful difference. One area that I think is really interesting and something that we will all face eventually, hopefully, is how we age healthily. And I was working directly with a guy called Samuel Gray, who is one of the leading, I guess, experts in healthy aging. An amazing guy. He's written a number of books. I think one of them is called Sod 70 Stop Sitting, which is a great title. And that's a plug for him as well, which you'll love. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we were looking at how immersive technologies and specifically VR at this point could, you know, help people age healthily and what that meant. And it was an amazing Venn diagram that we used to use. And the secret of healthy aging sits in three camps and it's all about activity. It's physical, emotional and mental activity. And actually looking at how virtual reality can be collaborative. We can bring people who are maybe less mobile together in a virtual space at the same time. From a physical activity, we can get them up and moving around. We can get them on exercise bikes as well. Maybe people could go for a long ride together with some old friends who live in different parts of the world or the country. And mental, from mental activity, maybe on that ride, they can see sites that they've never seen before and learn things about what they're seeing. So, you know, there are very interesting ways in which you can take this construct of being able to take somebody in a virtual way from their current environment and current situation and take them somewhere else now with other people. So it's a brilliant industry and really exciting role that you know the work you're doing. What's the most exciting thing that you've worked on in the past and what do you most enjoy doing? 
It's a great question. Um, worked on such a variety of things in the past, but I think in general, the thing that keeps me going that I really enjoy, and I think the rest of my team and the people we work with really enjoy is, is applying new technologies to problems. Thinking about how a, a new piece of creative technology, whether that be immersive technology or AI or whatever the suite of technologies that we're discovering and, and finding, you know, I think we're inquisitive, we like to find new stuff and applying those to real world problems. However, I also really love the creative stuff as well. I like creative just for creative sometimes. And there is an angle allowing people to be creative immersively, giving them the tools to be creative in a 3D sense can be really beneficial as well. So what position do you see immersive technology having on the future of the workplace in the next five to 10 years and beyond? It's a really strong question. And it's one of those ones that forces you to put your neck on the line and state that these are the views of me and not my company. However, the impact on the workplace will be a subset of the impact on every part of our lives. That, you know, this construct of the metaverse, which personally I believe does not exist yet, it's just a term to define an era, which will probably only make sense once that era has actually happened. But the, you know, the digital twinning of the world, us all being used to engaging with each other, other humans, no matter where they are in the world, what time zone they're on in virtual environments is going to have a huge impact on how we all communicate and interact with each other. And that will drip down into how we work. And I guess COVID has played a part in this, but I think it was coming anyway. I see that a more decentralized approach to work is upon us. We work with developers, creatives, technologists who live all over the world, some of them classifying themselves as digital nomads which is a great term, but we feel very connected. You know, sometimes we'll come together in virtual spaces, we'll hack designs together, even though some of us might be in VR, some of us might be in desktop, some of us might be in mixed reality, but we're working in a 3D sense on the same thing. We're maybe quite forward in that, you know, we're immersive tech experts, but I can see that becoming the norm across most industries where that sort of collaboration happens in a, in a synchronous way in virtual environments. I also think that augmented reality will have a way bigger impact on society and the way we work in the more short term, probably more five years, with AR eyewear coming to market from a, most of the big technology players, watch this space over the next 12 to 24 months, that we will become familiar with engaging with information that lives persistently over the world around us which can then be changed and adapted according to our needs, which will hopefully make us all more efficient. So yeah, I think more distributed teams, feeling more connected and greater efficiency. I think that's the holy grail. And I know you guys at SJP are doing some really interesting stuff, but I'd be intrigued to understand how you see immersive technologies changing the way SJP work um, and what you're trying to do here. So we introduced VR into SJP in September last year. So we're using immersive experiences, delivering role plays to advisors coming through our academy programme to help build up their soft skills so they feel better equipped when they go and meet a client for the first time. When we started talking to the business about bringing it into the company, it wasn't really well received at the beginning. But now since we've actually delivered it and started to kind of share it with the teams and going out and talking to the partnerships about what we're doing and where we're investing, you know, in the development of our advisors, it's landed really, really well, much better than we thought. So in terms of within the business, we're starting to collaborate with other teams now to help understand how we can introduce it further with like, you know, into the people team, 
talking to leaders about how to better manage their teams, have one-to-ones and to really basic leadership skills that everyone thinks that people have, but actually can be really enhanced by using the VR. So it's still fairly early days, but it's definitely been well received so far. Very compelling. And I think the more people who experience that firsthand, the more they will find that compelling as well. Oddly, my first sort of job out of university, I trained to be a financial advisor. did you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I I remember how paper-based that was. Lots of big folders of, you know, information and exams in order to qualify, but really very little about the interpersonal stuff that's super important. Yeah. And the role plays we've created bring all that together. So obviously there's lots of regulatory training, there's proposition, you know, lots of that actual, Mm. you know, content that's required, but brought together with the soft skills so that they yep. are able to build up rapport and deliver the information. They need to have that conversation with the client, but you know, do it in the right way, but be able to practice that in a safe space as much as they want to whilst they're going through the programme. They get to keep the VR headset for 12 weeks. It's making learning not feel like learning. Exactly. Um, and that what you're then consuming is actionable in the real world as yeah. opposed to something you've read in a textbook that yeah. then flies out of the brain as soon as you've done the exam. Exactly. So SJP, the journey for us with immersive technology is still fairly new. However, there are a lot of organisations that have been doing this for a very long time, decades even. One of those is NASA. Can you talk a bit more about what they're doing and any other industries that have been doing it for a long time? Yeah, sure. I mean, and I would say that SJP, I think it's the right time for you guys to be adopting. When you look at the likes of NASA and them working with immersive technologies for 20 plus years, the hardware, the software, the technology, very specific, very expensive, very bulky, very clunky, not particularly user-friendly. Now that's changing. So I think it opens it up and I think you guys are doing the right thing and you are early in comparison to the financial services industry. NASA and I think the defense and aerospace industries in general have been using immersive technologies to help train astronauts and pilots and what have you on dangerous maneuvers, things that it's very hard to send someone into space to do something as a test. It doesn't really happen. It's more specific examples, and you see it across engineering and construction, on oil rigs, where it's dangerous for people to practice in real life, then obviously virtual reality makes a lot of sense. It can really improve the sort of muscle memory around those scenarios. What I found really interesting actually is how NASA is um, also looking at immersive technologies for the sort of social and physical welfare of their astronauts, looking at how to mitigate isolation, the feeling of isolation when people are potentially traveling long distances to Mars in future. It shows again, once again, that the sort of the human power of immersive technology. For me, that's that's probably the more interesting stuff actually than the, the more technical side of things. So we've heard about technology and how immersive experiences have developed in the workplace. What are you most excited about in the future? Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess it depends how far out we're looking. It's relatively, I think, straightforward to see the technologies that are with us now and the impact that they can have. But if we look much further ahead and, you know, you've got this interesting term, the metaverse, which I try not to use very often, but I think you can go dystopian or utopian and I'm a glass half full type of guy. So I'll go the more utopian vision of the future. And I think that it's not just about immersive technologies. It's about artificial intelligence and machine learning and the potential for you know greater efficiency to be brought into our day-to-day lives, how we distribute resources across the humans that are on the planet to 
try and you know ensure we're not generating waste and not being wasteful as as a human race i think we will potentially get to a place where machines will do a lot of our jobs for us and then we'll be looking at immersive technologies and living in virtual worlds or interacting with a virtual layer to the world in i guess a, a slightly more transcended way to help us feel human to feel connected with each other so for me i think you know not to get too worthy but i think the future could be very bright if we leverage the technologies in the right way do you think there's a lot of fear around it though because people thinking well that's going to take over you know the things that i did now i'll be out of a job and rather than looking at it it's going to enhance what we do that's the way we kind of have built what we're doing in SJP is that it's going to make you better at the job you're doing. It's not going to do it for you. Mm. It's an enhancement and then looking for other ways to then bring it into people's lives in different ways. Well, I think there's the dystopian side of things as well. And there is a, rightfully a concern that technology will make some jobs redundant in future. It'll allow you to put your skills to work in ways that have a positive impact on other people. So there is always changes, always upheaval. And I think a little bit it's about who controls the tech who's making the decisions. I'm a true believer that decentralization is the way forward, both from a financial perspective and I guess from a societal perspective, and that those decisions should be made by the mass. If it's made by the few, then it's very dangerous. So we're asking everybody this question, and I'm going to ask you, what does the metaverse mean to you? I think I've said before that I try not to use the term metaverse because it's being used too much. And already you're seeing, if you follow Google Trends, that the trend analysis is showing that the hype has dropped off search of metaverse already but you know if we look at the metaverse as a term to define an era of spatial computing of people becoming familiar with working and operating and conversing with each other in virtual spaces i think the metaverse or what goes in to make the metaverse can be very powerful change for positive that seems like a good place to end thanks so much for your time it's been really interesting pleasure okay thank you thank you Dan, thank you once again for joining us for this chat. It's been so interesting. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, I'm Nikki Finnegan, Head of Digital Learning here at St James's Place. And this has been Journey to the Metaverse.